Good afternoon, everyone. I am Tim Phillips, president of Americans for Prosperity. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have a very special guest today as we talk about this $1.9 trillion proposal by the Biden administration pushed by Speaker Pelosi. Uh, and so to talk about that, I will introduce Drew Klein, our Iowa State Director for Americans for Prosperity. Drew? Hey, thanks, Tim. Again, my name is Drew Klein. I have the pleasure of being the State Director with Americans for Prosperity here in Iowa. Um, and, and there's a lot of rumblings of what's going on in Washington. And so we wanted to bring on a, a special guest. Uh, we're happy to have newly elected Congresswoman Ashley Henson with us today uh, to share her perspective, which is uh, even better. Uh, as, a, as a freshman, she was assigned to the House Finance Committee. And so she is in the, the middle of this. Uh, Congresswoman Henson, thanks so much for joining us. Um, you're just, uh, you know, a year ago, we were working together in the State House in Des Moines to craft responsible budgets, set real priorities, and put Iowa um, on the trajectory that it's on now. Um, your perspective is, is more needed in Washington than ever. Uh, I just want to open it up to you to, to you know, just talk about this proposal that, we've, that we're seeing out of the Biden administration. Yeah, well, and thank you, Drew, and thank you, Tim, for the opportunity to connect with uh, your uh, audience as well. Um, these are very important issues to be talking about because, unfortunately, when we need to be talking about getting our economy up and roaring again, getting kids back in the classroom, uh, we're talking about all this other stuff in typical Washington fashion that gets put in some of these relief bill relief bills or just in legislation in general. So uh, what we've seen in this $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, which by the way is going through the budget reconciliation process because they know that they'll never get the support they need in the Senate unless they do it this way. That's the first and foremost, I, I wanna draw attention to that. But they're also putting in um, a lot of other liberal wish list items which don't belong in a relief package. Um, a $15 minimum wage. Um, you, you talked, Drew, about my time in the Iowa legislature, something I feel very passionately about um, having served on that appropriations committee here. You have to make tough choices with what you're choosing to say yes and no to. And um, I think taxpayers expect you to be the grown up in the room and go and do that um, and be responsible in budgeting. And so the state of Iowa, as you know, uh, spends less money than it takes in. The federal government doesn't operate that way. Um, it should, but it doesn't. And unfortunately, as a result of that, we're seeing uh, continued additions to our deficit. Um, so I'm looking at this from a number of different perspectives. Um, you know, that reconciliation language literally says increase the deficit by $1.9 trillion, um, which is concerning to me. We need to be responsible with our spending. But then you add in all of these other um, elements, the $15 minimum wage, uh, $350 billion bailout for the states that haven't managed their budgets well, unlike Iowa. Um, that's where it gets to be really concerning for taxpayers and why I'm being so vocal about it. Yeah, and Congresswoman, it, it's, it would be one thing if they could show a desperate need. But in fact, is it accurate to say that $1 trillion of the $3.7 trillion that's already been appropriated for and, and signed into law by the, the president, uh, the last president, uh, a trillion of that has not even been spent yet. So to get our schools open, to get things back to normal, which is what Americans want, to get vaccines distributed faster and in people's arms faster, the money's there, right? It's a trillion dollars. Is that number accurate? I, I think that's pretty close. And what I'm keeping an eye on, we're actually trying to get an accurate reading from um, the CBO. We've put in that request to figure out exactly what's left. Um, I wanna see that relief be targeted and get where it needs to get. And if it, if it needs to be spent, then yes. 
If it doesn't need to be spent and we figure that out, it should be returned to the taxpayers. Uh, fundamentally, that's something I believe in. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, one of the provisions of the bill that was passed before I came into Congress in December uh, appropriated $54 billion to schools to help get them reopened. Um, no accountability though with that. And so when you hear that schools are still delaying their plans to reopen, um, that's frustrating to me, not only as a parent, but as a lawmaker. And I want accountability uh, for the taxpayers that I represent. So I filed a bill called the Reopen Schools Act, which did put lanes on that money. We want some accountability to make sure that it's being spent on what it should be spent on. Um, so my bill allows a third of that to go right to the schools to make sure that they can get the PPE they need to put in the filtration systems that they need, uh, extra janitorial work, whatever it is to make sure that we're, we're able to reopen schools safely. And then the second two thirds of that money would be directly tied to having an actual plan to get reopened. Uh, you need to be able to have a plan to get 50% of kids into the classroom at least half the time have that in-person option. You can continue to offer virtual, which I think is great. It's a great choice for parents to have. Um, I know many parents who are going to probably continue to go virtual even after the pandemic's done because it works better for their family. So, um, so my goal here is taxpayer accountability and making sure our students can get back in the classroom, which in turn, I mean, I just met with one of the largest employers in the Midwest, Hy-Vee, this morning. Um, the number of uh, members of their workforce that they have lost because their parents are home with their kids um, is very challenging. So um, this is a workforce issue. This is a making sure our children are not falling behind issue. It's a mental health issue. And most importantly, it's a taxpayer accountability issue. Yeah, Drew, go ahead. Yeah, Congresswoman, you you briefly touched on the $15 minimum wage uh, proposal that they, that they stuck into this package, a package that is supposed to be about uh, COVID relief. Um, I wanna give you an opportunity just to, to talk a little bit about uh, why that proposal is is so problematic, not just that it doesn't fit in the package, but you've talked to a lot of small business owners uh, around the district. Why does that seem so problematic to so many of them? Well, I think there are a couple issues. Uh, we know it would kill jobs and reduce hours and, and in many cases, reduce benefits. Um, I'll, I'll give you one example from the road yesterday. I was on the road in Alamakee County and um, someone who provides services to, to disabled folks in the community and uh, those with mental disabilities and challenges. Um, you know, their workers are reimbursed on a, on, a, on a government rate and that government rate isn't changing even if they have to pay their workers more on an hourly basis. Um, so you're actually cutting into the number of services that they can provide to people who need them in the community. Um, and cutting into that workforce. Our small businesses, uh, you know, they, they already operate on very limited budgets and your most expensive asset in your business is your people, obviously, but a second you, second you raise that lower level, everybody else above that wants uh, more as well. So it just, it, it sets a new false floor and it's not the right way to be growing wages. We are growing wages the right way uh, by providing opportunities to people, um, continuing to, to have our workforce grow and expand um, uh, you know, most of the employers I've talked to are not starting people at $7.25 an hour here in Iowa. They're starting people at $10 an hour or higher because uh, the competition for workforce is so great. Uh, everywhere we've gone on the road, uh, the top three issues are, are workforce, workforce, workforce um, over and over and over again. So um, when you look at a mandated wage like that, it's, it's not right for Iowa. Um, you know, what it costs to live in Iowa is not the same as it costs to live in California or New York. Um, so we need to make sure we're being responsible about how we're we're looking at that and what that needs to be. But our businesses are are raising wages. They're providing opportunities for Iowa families, and that's how it should be. 
Um, and it would, right now is not the time to be doing that. And it's certainly not the right vehicle to be doing that. Ladies and gentlemen watching, uh, we hope you'll make your voice heard. You know, already tens upon tens of thousands of folks have used the iVolunteer portal uh, on our website. You can click in the comment section here on this Facebook Live. Let your senators and your House member know. And one thing, Congresswoman, you're, you're new uh, in Washington for this, but you were in the state legislature. Can you tell folks what it means when your colleagues are, are receiving emails and, and calls about an issue like this? They pay attention, right? It matters both to encourage folks doing the right thing and, and hopefully to, to call in the question those who are going the wrong way on this. Well, I think it's most important as lawmakers that we do listen. We hear from the people we represent and it, it matters because you need the context when you're making the decision on both sides of an issue. You know, I think it's really important to hear from those who support it and those who are against it, because ultimately we should be having that kind of a conversation about every policy issue. Knowing both sides of the story, and, and sometimes there are more than two, I think that's fair to say, but uh, <laughs> sure. that, that feedback, you know, is it, crucial in making a decision. Um, there have been many times where I've made a decision knowing it's the right vote for the majority of my constituents, but also knowing there are some people who are not happy with my decision. So um, that's really important to have in the back of your mind. It's the responsible way to be a policymaker. So uh, that constituent feedback is crucial to making good solid policy decisions, whether or not it's on the ground here in Iowa or in Washington, DC in the halls of Congress. Congresswoman, what, what are the conversations, you know, specifically that you're hearing around the, the bailout of, of states. And, and again, this is something you, you touched on earlier, but um, you know, we're, we're pretty proud of the financial shape that Iowa is in. Uh, there are a lot of states that, that don't have that same financial outlook. What are the conversations on these bailouts look like in Washington right now? Well, Iowa taxpayers, I can tell you, don't want to foot the bill for chronic buzz, budget mismanagement in other states. Um, uh, the conversations that they're, they're talking about new ways to tax their residents to try to dig themselves out of holes that they have spent literally years digging into deeper and deeper. Um, I think people here in Iowa are offended by that. Um, again, they send responsible Iowans to go in and make those tough decisions to respect taxpayers. And um, I, I think spend, spending that money in that way is not respectful to taxpayers. It's actually to the contrary. So we need to make sure that we're advocating for responsible budgeting principles um, not overtaxing and overburdening and disrespecting taxpayers in that way. And um, these states need to clearly learn a lesson. Um, but I, I wonder how far down the rabbit hole they've gone at this point. And that's what's really frustrating. Um, they want to have taxpayers left holding the bag. And um, there's just a point when people are going to start to push back and say, we've had enough. And um, I think that's, you're starting to see that because you're starting to see people move out of states like California and from New York to Florida, for example, um, or uh, California to Texas. And hey, we'll take you in Iowa. Come to Iowa. We're open for business. Um, we want to have you here in our workforce and our quality of life. You can truly have it all. Um, and I think we're seeing that happen from the states that have have operated this way for far too long. Yeah, you, we talked earlier about the minimum wage in, in this proposal, utterly unrelated to this pandemic. Uh, folks on the left are insisting upon trying to, to double the federal minimum wage. And uh, you touched on it, but it's worth going back to. Doing it sounds nice, right? But it hurts people. It kills jobs for folks at the margins, you know, for folks in high school or college 
trying to get that first job to help them pay the bills or someone trying to get their career jump started. Those are the folks who, frankly, too often lose their jobs. And can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's one of those issues that it sounds good, but in practice, it hurts the very people that we, we want to help lift up to live the American dream the most. Absolutely, Tim. And I, I would point to a conversation I had with a constituent here in the first district in Iowa, uh, a small engineering company in Dubuque, and they provide internship opportunities to college students and they pay those interns, which is not necessarily, uh, you don't get the paid internship everywhere you go, but they want to engage people in STEM careers, which is a vital workforce option. And we need to get people into that workforce pipeline here in the state of Iowa and around the country. So they're providing that opportunity and they want to expand it to high school students and, and give them the opportunity to engage and get excited and get that spark about a, a career opportunity for them. And so when I talked to their owner and he said, look, we're providing this, but it takes our business time. It takes our business effort um, to, to provide that opportunity and taking and essentially doubling the cost of that is something that they don't think that they can sustain. So there goes that opportunity to get um, some really valuable people into our workforce pipeline. Those are great paying jobs and you need to get um, the talent in that pipeline early. So that opportunity would go away. And it's, it's that kind of uh, truly an opportunity that I think Iowans deserve, Americans deserve. And at, right now, when we're looking at some, some of the challenges that have faced our businesses in the last year, uh, many of them have had to, to rely on lifelines like the PPP program um, to, to be successful and to stay in business. And, and you pull the rug out from under them at a time like this when they're just getting on their feet again. Um, many of them, I talked to some on the road who said they're going to be lucky to hit their 2019 numbers this year. I mean, that's, that's devastating. So um, it's not the right time or the right place to be having that conversation. We need to be talking about how we can get our businesses up and running so they can reach their full potential, which is pro growth and that's pro worker as well. And that's what we really want because that provides those opportunities. Congresswoman, we're clearly opposed to the $1.9 trillion uh, relief package that's, that's come out right now. What should we be focused on instead? How do we get our economy back up and running? How do we get people uh, back into, you know, back into the economy participating? Because that's that's where we want to be. That's the American dream. Not sitting on the sidelines, not worried about what what the next round of, of stimulus or, or bailout or you know, relief is. We want to know how do we get back to life as normal? Yep, absolutely. It comes down to getting things reopened again as quickly as possible. Um, I know Iowa has been a leader on this front. Our, our governor has been trying very hard to make sure businesses were kept open, listening to the data on that and being reactive and proactive as necessary. And I think that's very responsible. We've got another, a number of other states that have done that as well. And in those states, their economies are roaring still. Um, and I think that that's a, a great example to point to is uh, you can continue to operate in, a, in your business and be safe in doing so. Social distance, um, in many cases, the PPE. Uh, I, I was someplace to, oh, I, I visited Hy-Vee uh, to, to see how they were giving uh, COVID-19 vaccines. Um, they have the plexiglass in between so you can go and and op, you know, get your vaccine and be separated. I mean, there that technology and that um, infrastructure exists so that you can get businesses back open. And that's really what we need to be focusing on. 
Um, same with our schools, getting those kids back in the classroom. Um, that enables those parents to go back to work if they've been uh, spending that time virtually at home with their kids. Um, not that I don't appreciate all the time I got at home with my kids in the last year because it was great. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I love my boys, but they needed to be in school. And I, I've heard from so many parents who have just been um, challenged and um, and want to get back into their workplace uh, to, to really get back. To, they just want to be working. Um, and so I think that's how we continue to, to focus on moving our country forward. Um, another thing I would just say, because I think it's relevant in this conversation about adding $1.9 trillion in spending here, uh, they got to pay for that somehow. And uh, I think the thing that's most concerning to me, and, and Tim, you hit on how much of this hasn't been spent yet, making sure this is very targeted, but I'm concerned about where that money's going to come from. And so I'm going to be you can bet I'll be very vocal against tax increases um, that may be proposed or repeals of certain tax policy because I don't think that's the right move right now either. It's not the right move anytime. I want to be clear about that. But uh, I think right now, especially as you're looking at how fragile things are, uh, putting another additional tax burden on someone is not the way to go. Yeah, you're, you're so right on the tax front. And we're deeply worried that some in Washington I know Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and Ocasio-Cortez have been talking about, uh, frankly, tax increases, big ones, uh, certainly rolling back some of the 2017 tax reform and tax cut uh, efforts, which have helped this economy and helped Americans so, so much. And you're right, we're going to uh, be opposing those in a, in a big way. Uh, at, at AFP Americans for Prosperity, we've got full-time staff in 35 states, from, from Alaska to Florida from Arizona to New Hampshire and everywhere in between, including folks like Drew Klein and his team at Iowa. Uh, and when I'm on the road, I was in Wisconsin and Montana this week, I'll be in Florida next week, uh, in Georgia next week with our activists. It, it's a challenging time for a lot of Americans. Uh, and I, I know you probably see it traveling across your, your congressional district. What is it that gives you, though, I, I, I can see the optimism and the sense of, you know, frankly, hope in, in you from us talking before we kick this off and then through this. What gives you a sense of optimism uh, now uh, as you represent your district and also as you're learning, you know, how to operate and make a difference in a, the new train of Washington, D.C.? I think it comes down to, I do have hope, Tim, and I think uh, I look at islands. Islands are incredibly resilient people. Um, no matter what the challenge, we rise above it. And I think looking at the number of people I've talked to who've chosen to turn lemons into lemonade this last year, it's incredible and it's inspiring. Uh, local business owners, especially for instance, in the service industry, an industry that's been hit up disproportionately hard uh, by the pandemic, uh, we have people who are deciding on new ventures and they're gonna try something different or they've used this opportunity to rethink their business model. Um, so that's inspiring to me. I, I talked with folks from the SBA. They're still seeing increase in um, interest from women and other small business owners who are wanting to step up and launch their business um, and be entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, businesses are are rethinking things, and I think this is this is a perfect example of how Americans continue to innovate and prosper. And so that's what gives me hope is that I look at all the people that I've talked to. I've been to all 20 counties in my district. Uh, since January 3rd when I was elected and sworn in. Um, and it's, it's just amazing to me to hear about how people are saying, we need government to get out of the way, but we can do it. We can, we can absolutely 
move forward and be successful and provide those opportunities to Iowa families. And so that's what gives me hope. It's a great spark. Um, just yesterday, I was uh, visiting a, a, sport, a spark program actually in, in a school district here in Iowa. And I had kids pitching me on projects that they're working on in their community for economic development, um, for business uh, support and marketing. I mean, you've got high school students who are excited and ready to enter that pipeline and create and innovate and, and add their ideas to the mix. And so, um, so that's what's inspiring to me. And I take those stories right back to Washington, D.C. with me so I can advocate, um, so I can say why I support students and getting them back in classrooms. I can say why I support getting relief to small businesses, but also why I can say I don't support a $15 minimum wage. So I think having those stories from the ground really helped me to be informed, but also give me the hope that I need to continue um, being a good advocate and voice for Iowans. Congresswoman, thank you so much. I mean, we, we have spent a lot of time uh, talking about how we, we reduce barriers. Certainly, we've, we've done a lot of that at the state level in Iowa, cutting regulations, you know, finding, finding ways to get people into the workforce faster at, a, at, you know, at the skills that they need. Um, what other barriers do you see in Washington that we should be more focused on, on, on how, we, how we remove those barriers and, and get people moving in the right direction? I think it comes down to uh, having having departments and and even lawmakers understand the context of uh, how their decision is going to impact someone. Uh, you talk about regulations, and um, I I just had a meeting earlier today where uh, there was concern about something coming down the pipeline, and um, you know one bad actor can often create a whole new set of regulations and rules that all the good guys now are uh, penalized by. Um, so I think it, it comes down to having the context and the perspective about this, these decisions and these regulations um, as, as we're not only thinking about creating new ones or having conversations about it, but also thinking about what can we, what can we take away? What um, is too restrictive or onerous for our businesses? Uh, the amount of paperwork, for example, that some of these uh, oversight measures have. Uh, they may be well-intentioned, they may have gone too far. So I think that's our job as members of Congress is, um, well, I guess Congress really in my mind has three real jobs. One, you know, you have to create programs and look at programs, you have to fund them, which is my other job as an appropriator. But then the oversight function is where I feel like Congress tends to not do as great of a job and has historically not done a good job. So um, I think that's, that's really where it's important. We get those that oversight kicked into gear on these programs that are on autopilot, and that's how we help people to be more successful. You know, you mentioned something earlier that I, I, I want to kind of follow up on. Um, you mentioned that, you know, whatever is appropriated now has to be paid back at some point. That's a novel idea, I think, to some in Washington, D.C., but do, do you think, because, I mean, you have a fresh perspective, you know, having just come into the Congress, do you think your colleagues in, in both parties, this is not a partisan question, in both parties genuinely understand why deficits hurt people, real, you know, average Americans and why it makes our country less secure? Do you think they have a sense of that? Yeah, I think maybe we all need a good review of that. I mean, I, uh, and one thing I would say is that I understand how much debt service costs our country every year. And you look at all of the other opportunities and places we could be spending that money and instead we're spending it to pay it on debt service. To me, it's opportunity lost. And I think that's the way I'm choosing to think about this is we have to be responsible. And um, it's unfortunate that 
I think many members have maybe lost sight of that over time, right? It's not a, uh, you mentioned it's not a Republican or Democrat issue. This is a, a congressional and federal issue. So, um, so I'm choosing to think a bit like we need to be zeroing in on the money we have available to spend. We need to obviously be looking at the whole pie and saying, okay, well, these ones, these programs are mandatory spending, but do we need to take a look at the mandatory spending? Is there a way we could be doing it differently to be more efficient for taxpayers and still provide benefits for the people who need them? Um, and then we need to look at that rest of that pie that is the discretionary spending. And you, it's amazing how much of it is being spent on debt service. So, um, uh, it's not lost on me, and that's just in six weeks of being in office, right? And, um, so I'm out there telling that story, um, trying to spotlight how I, I hope we can be more responsible with taxpayer resources. Um, I, I love to tell this story because um, it's it's how I think about doing my job in the back of my mind. But my husband sends the tax check into the Iowa Department of Revenue and the um, you know IRS and. And he used to send me the Department of Revenue one for Iowa as I was state lawmaker, take a picture of it. Now he sends me the federal one. And uh, honey <laughs> is what he says. So um, that's not lost on me. The value of a dollar is so important. And uh, so that's the perspective that I'm bringing to Congress. Yeah. If you're listening, well, I we're coming to... sorry, I, well, I, I know to jump in and, and provide one more opportunity to remind folks just how important it is as we look at this $1.9 trillion uh, relief package, another $1.9 trillion in national debt. Uh, clearly, Congresswoman Hinson gets it. She, she understands the issue and, and what this means for the future opportunity of our country uh, and, and why we need to stop this. Uh, but there are a lot of other members in Congress. And so if, if you live in uh, Congresswoman Hinson's district, shoot her an email, tell her thank you, reach out to, to her office and, and let her know that you appreciate this. If you live in another district, though, reach out to them, reach out to your U.S. senators, uh, tell them that this is just the wrong approach uh, for, for the, the, you know, the, the situation that we find ourselves in, that, you know, Hopefully COVID is not going to last forever. We need to get back to, to the days of the roaring economy that we see not too far back in the, the rear view mirror. Uh, it's important to do that. If you check the, the comments underneath this feed, you'll find a link to be able to do that quickly from our website. Thank you all for joining us, Congresswoman Henson, a new voice in Washington. Thank you for joining us and taking time as well. It's been my pleasure. And um, if you want to reach out to our office, it's just hinson.house.gov. Pretty simple. And we would love to have your feedback. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Uh, have a good rest of this beautiful winter day.